Welcome to IBS Chat from the IBS Patient Support Group. I'm Jeffrey Roberts, the IBS expert and founder of the IBS Patient Support Group website and social media platforms and creator of World IBS Day, held every April 19th. I was diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome at age 16 and I've lived with IBS for over 25 years. It's my mission to educate people living with irritable bowel syndrome and to raise awareness about research and treatment options and what it's like to live with IBS. The IBS Patient Support Group is a community to inform and support irritable bowel syndrome sufferers and can be reached at ibspatient.org. Supporting IBS patients is something that I think of every day because the quality of life of an IBS patient and those that support them is very important to me. Episode number six. This is a highlights podcast from Digestive Disease Week in San Diego. It's provided me with an opportunity to speak with researchers from around the world about their work. First up is John Weinberg from Forty Pharma about their product and development called Blotex. Blotex is a bacteria that consumes gases which are known to cause bloating, abdominal pain, and changes in bowel frequency in IBS patients. Hi, I'm here at DDW with uh, John Weinberg, who is the Chief Medical Officer for Forty Pharma, who currently is in Phase 2 clinical studies for uh, a new investigational drug for IBS called uh, Blotex. So welcome, and and thank you for spending a few minutes with me. I wonder if you can describe, you know, what is this, and and how can patients get involved in in this Phase 2 study? So thank you very much, Jeff, for taking the time to meet today. So with Blotex, what we're doing is we're taking a bacterium, a bug that is found commonly in your GI system, in your gut. And what we're doing is we're providing it in a capsule to patients in our study. And the bacteria within these capsules then take residence within the intestines. And what the idea is, is that patients with IBS potentially have changes in the bugs, the flora within their intestines that may be associated with possibly causing some of the symptoms and some of the distress they experience. So by giving our bacterium, our specific bacterium that we've developed, the idea would be that this then changes the makeup of the flora within one's gut and hopefully will take the patterns that you see of the different bacteria within the gut and move it from that that you commonly see in patients with IBS close to that seen within normal subjects. Yeah, so I should explain that uh, because it's a phase two study, it's still really at the investigational stage and it may not come to fruition that this actually might come to market. So it's very early on and it's it's great to be uh, to hear about these things as they're in the what's called the, the pipe. Uh, So thanks very much for explaining that. Next up, could pets be related to the development of IBS? Exposure to pets is associated with irritable bowel syndrome. I thought it was kind of an interesting topic. Yeah, so we did a meta-analysis of five different research articles um, and showed that uh, pets uh, are statistically related to the development of irritable bowel syndrome. Now, we're not saying that pets cause irritable bowel syndrome. We're just saying that it relates to that. And we think it has to happen for a couple of reasons. One reason we think is that the exposure to the pet feces can alter the different bacteria living in your gut leading to irritable bowel syndrome. Or it could be a second reason uh, that's kind of like an allergic reaction. The animal dander can lead to a allergic reaction leading to IBS. My next piece is about using the low FODMAP diet in children. We know that there is evidence in some patients that a low FODMAP diet will improve their symptoms, but what about children? 
Okay, so we are really interested in the low FODMAP diet, and so that stands for a diet low in fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. So essentially eliminating low, like small chain sugars. Um, and there's been a lot of success with this diet in um, improving pain severity in adults, but for the first time we wanted to look at it in children. Our three main aims were to assess the efficacy, feasibility, and safety. Um, in general, we did see an improved in, improvement in pain severity and quality of life. Um, those were significantly different, but the main challenge was compliance. So we started with 29 children participating in the study and only nine children were able to complete the main elimination phase. Um, standard recommendations of elimination phase is two to six weeks, but our um, elimination phase for this diet was three, three weeks. Um, so even by phone survey, 76% um, reported that the diet was either hard or very hard, but interesting, all families surveyed would recommend the diet. So even if it's extremely difficult, it's a promising option for, treatment for children who have really bad IBS. Lastly, if a hospitalized IBS patient consumes cannabis, does it shorten their hospital stay? Hello, um, so I'm Part Desai from uh, Cook County Health in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I'm presenting a paper called uh, The Association of Cannabis in Healthcare Utilization in Hospitalized Patients with Irritable Bowel Syndrome. Uh, we use a national inpatient uh, sample database from patients all over the country uh, from 2010 to 2014 uh, to see if cannabis users had lower lengths of stay and use of uh, procedures and uh, expenses of care. Uh, we found that uh, cannabis users uh, were younger, more frequently male, and uh, had lower median household income, as well as ha actually having more medical comorbidities than the control group. Um, out of the when control, compared to the control group, uh, cannabis users actually had a lower length of stay, um, lower total charges during their hospitalizations, and lower utilization of uh, upper and lower GI endoscopies. Um, we we uh, posit that these effects are due to um, less severe symptoms in patients with cannabis use.